Luke 17. Turn with me, please. And just uh, look for a blessing. I, I tell you what, nothing, nothing will do you better than the Word of God. And uh, it's all the, equally the Word of God, whether it's the actual words of the Master or not. But I tell you what, as I went through and listened to the Holy Word of God in the audio tapes, I just got filled up to my total capacity when I went through the Gospels. I'll tell you what, it's the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ that sets us free. Amen? And His words. We ought to study the words of the Master in our Bible college, Lord willing, Bible Institute, whatever in the world we're going to call it. I thought even about naming it partially after Pastor Magnuson and then Pastor, uh, then partially after uh, Matthew Henry and even sticking my own name on there at the end. I don't know. But I know one thing. We need to study the Master. Amen? The words of Christ. And then uh, I'm wondering if we ought not have three or four or five courses just on the sermons of Christ. Then the words of Christ, and then the miracles of Christ, and the parables of Christ. I think there's a great dearth of no, a lack of knowledge about the words of the Master. I really believe our independent Baptist churches of today are even stronger in their understanding of sometimes the book of Romans than they are the Gospels. And I, I think that's terrible. I praise God for Romans. It's all equally the Word of God. Now, don't get me wrong. All equally the Word of God. But I'll tell you what. Uh, we don't need the sermons of Spurgeon like we need the sermons of Christ. Never a man spake like this man. What a, what a prince of preachers he was. King of kings and Lord of lords. I want to start in verse 20. Verse 20 down to verse 37. As I was listening to the tapes again, and I, it just jumped out at me, this about the Master as they demanded of Christ about these things that were in the future. And I tell you, the Lord always had an answer. He didn't always answer other things, but He always answered the questions of these Pharisees. And these others. And he had the answer. And he has the answer to our needs too. By the way, we ought to study. We ought to study about the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear what I said tonight? I said we ought to. You ladies ought to study. We're, we're going to all be involved with that thing. This is a future event. We are coming out of here. Amen. Whether we go and we die. Or we are alive when the Lord comes back. It's future for us, and we're going to be involved with that. We ought to learn about it. Whether we great, uh, understand it all, and the order, and all the rest, and everything is one thing, but I'll tell you, the book of the Revelation has a promise of just for reading it. And we ought to study uh, what the Lord said about His own coming. First of all, I'll tell you, He's coming. Amen? But He's not coming like these Pharisees and these others thought He was coming. And yet He is coming. All right, let's uh, stand, if you will, as we read these first three verses. Uh, two verses, pardon me. First two verses of this, uh, this verse 20 and verse 21. Verse 20 
and verse 21. And these two verses surely plainly tell us that the uh, second coming of the Lord, the kingdom of God, is not like the Pharisees thought it was. And so we need to find out what is wrong in their thinking and then make sure we don't think the same way they think. All right, verse 20 and verse 21 of chapter 17 of Luke's gospel. Read it with me, please, in unison. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall there be, say, Lo here, or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Boy, this was a slap in the face to them, and ought to be a slap in the face to some others, I think, even today. By the way, there's so many different views about the second coming of Jesus Christ. You better have the Bible view. You better not have a view that someone you, learned, you, you heard years ago gave you. You better take it from the Master. Amen? You'll be all right if you take it from the Master. Our Father, bless this thy wonderful holy word. And just make us a blessing. And we'll thank thee, Lord. May the word of God be rich and precious as we think of our lovely Lord Jesus coming back in power and great glory, coming not just to... Uh, to straighten out the world and to destroy the wicked, but coming back to uh, take us up as Lot was taken out of Sodom and take us up as, as Noah was taken up in the ark and rode above the waters of destruction. Dear Lord, you're coming back for us, for, the, for your bride. Although we're already in Christ, you're coming back for us. And we thank thee for that glorious and blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, may these few thoughts be a blessing from thy precious word and from this, this wonderful sermon by the Master. And we'll thank thee and praise thee. May it draw us closer to Christ. May, it seek to, uh, may we seek to purify ourselves even as he is pure. May we seek to want to know uh, about, dear Lord, thy coming and to be ready, watching about the Master's business as he said, occupy till I come. And so lead us, we pray, into heavenly blessings. And may our walk even be drawn closer because of our coming this way and because of the words that we hear tonight. And may that apply to me as well, precious Lord, for I need a blessing. And I need to be drawn closer. And I need to love thy appearing more. So even so come. Lord Jesus, and meet with us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Isn't that something? They're de demanding something of Christ. You better, you better watch out how you approach the Lord. We were out visiting last night, and we came across a certain man. Boy, wasn't he something. He acted like, well, uh, some people need to go to church. That's what he said. I wish I was as quick-witted as my wife and I'd have fired back at his goose or something. I thought later, though, I'll tell you, I should have said, you sorry rascal, you're the one that needs God and you're the one that needs church and you're lost in your sins on the way to a devil's hell. He acted like, oh, there are certain people, you, you, you need to go to church. More or less, I don't need church or God or anything. Well, they need God. The ones that think they don't need Him, they really need Him. Amen. Sad commentary. But thank God we just kept going. And 
And uh, during the night, there was one lady, and she listened to the whole plan of salvation. So I don't need to spend much time with him. By the way, soul winners, don't spend too much time wasting and casting your pearls before swine. God can straighten them out later and maybe save them. He can, he can uh, just take a, a loved one out of their life quickly, and all of a sudden, they sober up. Just, just uh, don't spend all your time on those people that don't want to hear. And we uh, spoke to one lady there at the door, wouldn't go in, of course, because her husband, 70-some days to NTC, man alive. How long they taken these fellows away from their families and gave her the gospel there, a Roman Catholic uh, lady at the door. I'll tell you, she needs to know that there's no hope in the Pope. I didn't tell her that because, amen, she, but she, there is not, amen. He needs to get saved himself. How can there be any hope in somebody that's lost himself? Amen. A blind leader of the blind. But oh, she did listen about the one who was the door. Jesus said, I am the door. And you pray for her. I don't think she fully grasped and fully understood the whole thing. She prayed. I don't think that hurt her either. I don't know. I felt impressed. I said, I pray. She's praying after me. And I prayed a real long prayer, Brother Lightsey. I don't know. She maybe hadn't prayed in the right way for a long time. Amen. So, so I just had her follow after me in a long time. Long prayer. because she, she, she didn't know how to pray herself. I just do whatever the Spirit of God leads you. Amen. You even get a person bowing their head. We didn't get on her knees, but she bowed her head and prayed. And at least she was talking to God for a change instead of Mary. Amen. Talking to the King of kings and Lord of lords as we direct them. So pray for her needs the Lord. And maybe and we want to get a Bible back to her. She didn't have a Bible. So I got her address and phone number. Maybe one of you ladies could take a Bible over to her at her house there. And she can start reading the Word of God. The Holy Word of God. Well, he says here, they demanded of the Pharisees, uh, when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come. Boy, don't a lot of people want to know that today. Then they did and today. When is he coming? Well, he's coming in an unexpected time, the Bible says. Amen. You're not to be that concerned about when he's coming as that he is coming. Amen. And being ready and watching for his coming. And so he answers them when, he said, they ask. And they were thinking, by the way, they were thinking that the uh, Romans were going to have the this broken off and this, this bondage to Rome and paying their taxes to Rome, and they didn't like that. And so the Pharisees, they wanted him. To, uh, they wanted uh, the Messiah to come back, and they wanted the kingdom of God to come so that they'd be delivered out from under the uh, tyranny of Rome and out from under their pressure. And so they, they were not in the right way looking for that. They were looking for a kingdom that was an ostentatious kingdom, an outward kingdom. And the Bible says here, the kingdom of God's within you. Amen? Well, Christ in you. For every kingdom, you have to have a king, and Jesus is the king. They put that right up on the top of the cross. Amen? Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. I like that song. King of my life, I crown thee now. Thine shall the glory be. He's not going to be my king. He's my king now. He's ruling over. Uh, but, well, I cannot even see the kingdom of God, it says in John 3. Must. Like a sinner can't even see the kingdom of God. He says, the kingdom of God's within you. And he said also, the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Everybody's 
you know, they say, well, what about this? And I, I get so distressed at all these people. And I, I don't think our church people ought to be spending our time looking for the Antichrist when we should be looking for the Christ. For every mark of the beast on their forehead, there's a mark on every one of us. And that's the one I'm concerned about. I'll never have any mark of the beast. I'm in Christ. I have the name of the master upon me. And it says also, I believe on their hand, the saved. Amen. And their forehead. I tell you, we get, people get all distressed about the Antichrist. And they ought to get ready for the Christ. He's coming. He's coming. And he's telling us about it. But the kingdom of God's within you. It cometh not with, with observation. I, don't, I think we need to spend a lot less time looking for the signs. And look for the one who is the sign. And what did it say back there? As Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, even so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's the sign. Amen? That's the sign. And it says that. Oh, and by the way, we're not to be a sign-seeking people. Amen? A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. We're to be seeking after the, the Christ. Who's coming? How people get all mixed up with all this. Just really troubles me. They, just like them. Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. Isn't that what they're saying? Oh, that one fellow in 1988. He said, Jesus is coming back in 1988. I knew he wasn't coming back in 1988 because he said he was coming back in 1988. That's the way I felt about it. Amen. They set a date. I know he's not coming then. Says no man knows the day nor the hour. Someone said, "Yeah, but they, you can know the year." I think you can know and sense the uh, approaching time, but I don't believe in this business. Uh, don't don't even tell me about some uh, year, because I I have too many. When I was a young boy, and uh, uh, Jack Van Impe said Christ had to come by seventy two or seventy four. Well, he would have told me I'm I was alive at that time. Amen. And some others, like Daryl Dunn and some others who were independent Baptists, and they said he had to come by a certain date in 1980-something. No, he'll come just when he wants to come. And he doesn't have. And Daryl Dunn had to have one thing to do about it. Neither does uh, uh, these other preachers. Sometimes those preachers, they preach every weekend on the second coming of Jesus Christ, all three uh, days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I don't think God's in that at all. I think the Lord would lead him to preach on the cross one of those days. Amen. His, his second coming is paramount and of great, great, great importance. But his resurrection is of ultimate importance. Amen. He had to come out of the grave. After I talked to that precious lady last night, I wished I would have emphasized even greater in a stronger way that he is alive and he is the resurrected Christ, but you don't think about it all, all at one time. I did mention the death, burial, and resurrection, but I didn't get into it as thoroughly as I should have. And her being a Roman Catholic, I should have gotten into it more thoroughly. Because I'll tell you what, their, their, their crosses are full of the, the image of Christ. And he's not on the cross. He is risen. He's alive forevermore. And so we have all these different misconceptions. But the kingdom of God. Now I want you to know my, my Savior said the kingdom of God. What does it say? The kingdom of God is within you. Now if you, do you understand that fully? By what I would said. If you don't, you ought to go home and study that. Jesus, my Savior said the kingdom of God is within you. And they were asking about the kingdom of God coming. 
I don't think I have it all put together completely. But I know Jesus said that, and that's enough for me. Now look at verse 22. And he said unto the disciples, now he deals with the disciples, the days will come when ye shall desire to see the one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say unto you, See here, or see there. Go not after them, nor follow them. Why? For as lightning... I'll tell you what's what's faster than lightning. Boy, it just boom, cracks across the sky. That's the way the Lord's coming back. It cometh not with observation. People tell you, see, there's no time. Do you get that? There's no time for all this when Jesus comes back. They can say, oh, he's coming next week. No, no. See, the implication that the coming of Christ is like lightning. And so you be ready at every moment for his coming. Boy, that ought to keep us from sinning, purposely sinning, thinking God doesn't see. By the way, Matthew Henry says that Christ came not, uh, is not coming to make one nation great, but to make all nations good. Christ is there to what? Bring us all together. I'll tell you what, the Lord Jesus there, 70 years after his death, burial, and resurrection, something happened in Jerusalem, and God just destroyed the Jewish nation. Amen? Just destroyed the Jewish nation. Titus razzed the temple site. Why was that? Why do you think that would be? Because they said, let his blood be on us and our children, our children's children. And that Bible says we're spiritual Israel. And I, I don't understand. Some of the commentators believe that there's going to be a, a revival of the Jewish uh, people and a great move and everything. I know one thing. They have been set aside and right now they are in total darkness and unbelief. And praise God because they have been set aside. And yet what? The early church was a Jewish church. All the 12 were Jews. The 70 were Jews that Jesus sent out. And 3,000 saved. They were all Jews from every nation under heaven. They're at Jerusalem at Pentecost. At the birth, we might say, of the church. The sending forth of the gospel. And so they're at Jerusalem. But now what? Because Israel was set aside in unbelief, now we can be grafted in. Up until that time, if you were not a Jew, you were, you were a heathen of heathens. If you did not embrace as a proselyte the Jewish faith. All the other nations, the Philistines, were heathens. Amen? Heathens. And all those 31 nations, 33 nations, two, Sion and Og on the one side of Jordan and the other 31 nations on the other, other side, the only one saved was Gibeon, and all the rest were just what? Totally annihilated because God hates sin. He was blessing one nation now then, but he's not blessing one nation now 2,000 years after Calvary. Amen? Listen, don't tell me that God's blessing the Jews today. I don't like that kind of teaching. I believe it's unscriptural. I know he's preserving them, and they can just stick them in a, any place, and they'll make a million dollars out of a junkyard. But that's not a spiritual blessing. The Jews have no spiritual blessings at this point. They're in unbelief. Amen? But that doesn't mean you mistreat the Jews. Don't play down the Jews. Jesus was a Jew. The early church was a Jewish church. Amen? They were Jewish Christians. 
But I'll tell you what, they're in unbelief and I'm not. They rejected Christ. He came unto his own, the Jews. And his own received him not, but to as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I've been born of God. Amen. I've been born again. By the way, his church is highly and strongly a Gentile bride. You see that over there? What did Moses marry? A Gentile. Manasseh and Ephraim. They were both sons uh, of, of Jacob. I mean, of Joseph. Manasseh and Ephraim. But you look back at Moses and he married a Gentile bride. You look back at Joseph and the son of Jacob and he married a Gentile bride. And what wonderful types of Christ Moses is and Joseph is. Wonderful types of Christ. The bride for Christ is highly and strongly and almost totally a Gentile bride. So if God deals with the Jews in the future in a special way, then if you, you see that in the Bible, there's many good Bible commentators way back in the Puritans that hold that, that, to that. Or is it spiritual Israel? I don't know. And I don't know all the answers, but I know the one who has all the answers. And I know where the book is that has all the answers. And if I don't know it all, I just go to the book and I can learn more. Amen? But I'll tell you what. Do you be careful not to direct people to other books other than the Bible, the book, about this matter of the second coming. I, When I was just a teenage boy, I've mentioned this before. In every other doctrine, the resurrection, uh, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, about the requirements of a bishop, about the blood, about everything else, they directed me to the book of books, the Bible. And the only doctrine they ever directed me to Ironside and all these other ones and Schofield and all the other ones was the second coming. Well, I don't need Schofield. I have Jesus. I said, I don't need Larkin. I have Jesus. And I've studied Clarence Larkin. And I've studied Schofield. And I don't believe they're right about a lot of things. So I'll just stick with my Jesus. He'll never lead me wrong. A lot of these men are already dead and up in heaven. And they were genuinely saved. And they wish they hadn't written some of the things they wrote. Because they're not right. And they're not in line with the writings of the Master. Be better off you never write anything than you write something contrary to what Jesus taught. Amen. He's coming and he's coming quickly. And we better get ready to meet him. And some of them are just as mixed up. Look what it says for his lightning that lighteneth out of one part under the heaven and shineth under the other part under heaven. So shall, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be in his day. His day. How many times that's mentioned? The day of the Lord, His day. Look at verse 25. But first must He suffer many things. Now see, they didn't see this and be rejected. What does it say there? Rejected of this generation. Here they wanted the kingdom of God. They said, when shall the second coming of Christ be? And so Jesus said, it doesn't come with observation. The kingdom of God's within you. What He's saying is, the kingdom of God and the coming of the kingdom of God is not that which is a superficial and ostentatious and that which is outward it is that which is within you it's a spiritual kingdom now I, I know with all my heart by the way I read two commentators on this earlier before I came here tonight and both of them said this is the whole crux of this discourse is they were looking for the physical and Jesus said I'll direct you to the spiritual. This has always been the problem with the disciples and all those that always were questioning the Lord Jesus Christ, the Master. 
They were thinking of the physical, the carnal. Don't you come up and tell me about how they're building the tabernacle, I mean the temple, over there in Jerusalem. I heard that when I was 16 years old, 17 and 18 years old. I have been saved for over 40 years. It doesn't take 40 years to build that, that temple over there. I don't even come up. I'm not going to get excited about it. I'll just set it aside. I'm more excited about this temple. And this temple. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? I think this is getting all excited about the mark of the beast and all that. If you ask me, a lot of it's a lot of carnal stuff. It's, it's emphasizing the fleshly when we need to get our mind on the spiritual. That Christ, Christ, what? God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The more spiritual we are, the more blessed we are, and the more fleshly we are, the more useless we are. The carnal mind is enmity against God. God doesn't work in carnal things like that today. Amen. What does he need a physical temple over there in, in, in uh, Israel when we are his temple? And then it says he is the temple too in Revelation. You ever read that? He said he's the temple. He's the light of that city. Jesus is everything. Amen. I don't, I don't like getting all excited about physical carnal things. When I can get all excited about the fact that my Savior is coming back. Whether they, they, they said, by the way, you know how many years ago they said that there was this big uh, computer called the Beast over there in Belgium? I mean, I've been hearing about this for so many years, friends. Come on. I don't need any beast over there. Amen. The devil's sure a beast and he's been one forever, ever, forever. Amen. The beast and the false prophet and it's all of the devil and they're all going to hell fire the whole bunch of them. If we're not careful, we get all wrapped up in so many things. It's like the, the word hell. You know, we get so upset, get so, I get around these people. Who was I around recently? And they said, oh, that's talking about Hades. And that's talking about Sheol. I said, I don't care about all that. It's hell. I get so smart that we're stupid. I'm telling you, what we, instead of we ought, we ought to dwell on is that they've taken out of our King James authorized version of the Bible, uh, they, they have, uh, these new translations have gone against and left the word hell out completely. And they made it the grave in the New American Standard Version. And they've made it a Sheol in the Old Testament. They just left the word Sheol there, didn't even change it, didn't even make it grave. But in the NIV, it's the grave all the time. And then in Luke 16, they leave it, uh, leave the word, uh, they put the word Hades there. By the way, look it up in your dictionary. Hades is the subterranean abode of the dead. What does that tell me anything? Amen. You, I mean, uh, um, the, the common fella going up and down the road here, and you say, uh, what, do you, "What do you think hell is, sir?" Well, my mama said, or my old preacher said, and they'll give you the traditional, you know, the traditional place. You got to go to college to find out that it's a subterranean abode of the dead. Well, is it a place of pain? Oh, I don't know. Huh? Is it a place of separation? I don't know. And they go on and on. The same thing with the second coming of Christ. The Lord is not so interested in the fact of us getting so involved with the uh, how it's all going to take place. It's just going to take place and get ready. He's a coming. He's a coming. He's a coming. 
You better be waiting and ready and out witnessing and winning people to Christ. They may be the last one that you bring to him. And then what? Then you'll be glad when you're talking to someone about Jesus or preaching to someone about Christ. Or one of you ladies are witnessing some little girl about Jesus. And if she just receives Christ and then Christ comes back, that'd be a good thing to be doing. Or having a Bible study or something. That's what the Lord's saying. He said, watch. Now, there's another thing. We're to be watching and ready. And we're to occupy till he comes. That's what the Lord's interested in. And we're not to be like those others, the scoffers. Where is the promise of his coming for all things continue as they were from the beginning? No, they are not continuing all things like they were from the beginning. Jesus is coming back. Amen? And, and things are getting, I believe, they're waxing worse and worse. Now, there was a group that taught something else. I think they're wrong. I, don't, I just think it's getting worse and worse. And uh, though we can have pockets of revival here and there, and we can't have revival, I believe it, if people meet the conditions and pray, still, I believe the world's getting worse and worse. Evil shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. I believe these are the things. And he goes on, and he says, and as... See, they wanted to get the kingdom to come in, and Jesus said, no, I have to be rejected and I have to suffer. I have to go to Calvary before the kingdom of God really in totality comes. It doesn't come with observation. It comes with, uh, with in you, within you. And then he says, and as it was in the days of Noah, no, so shall it be also in the days of the coming of the man, uh, son of man. Now, here's another thing. And then let, let me give you the next verse here as well. The next two. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given in marriage until the day. Did you get that? Until the day. I mean, I believe it means the 24-hour the day. I believe that's what it means here. If not, it means a few days, seven days he put them in the ark. I believe it was. And then finally the, the rains came. I'm saying it's the day of judgment. Till the day. I believe it has reference to a day. That Noah entered into the ark. Why? And the flood came and destroyed them all. The second coming of Christ is like the day of Noah. And secondly, likewise also as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Do you remember how they were hurrying him out? Hurrying him out? I believe it was the very day it happened. As soon as Lot got out, his wife turned around and looked at the cities on fire and she turned into a pillar of salt. And the Lord said, remember Lot's wife. I mean, they, were, they had a hard time getting Lot out of the city. Maybe he's waiting for his daughters to come around and son-in-laws to quit mocking. Quit saying, oh, father-in-law's gone cuckoo. He said, God's going to destroy this city. That's not the way people are today. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. It says here we ought to compare the second coming of Jesus Christ and learn all we can learn about the account of Noah and the ark. And we ought to learn all we can learn about the days of Lot getting out of Sodom because he says it's the same way when Jesus is coming back. So if you want to know how it's going to be when Jesus comes back, it's going to be as it was 
in the days of Lot and as it was in the days of Noah and it's sure becoming that way in America even, our so-called Christian country. Now, what were they doing here in this day? I know one thing, there was somebody doing some preaching in Lot's day and says it calls him a preacher in reality. It says he vexed his righteous soul from day to day with the filthy communication of the wicked. And then we know that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. I really believe that God allowed... I know he pitched his tent towards Sodom and he got down into Sodom. Some people said Sodom got into him, but I know the Bible says he vexed his righteous soul every day with their filthiness. Why? But they sure didn't... They didn't, uh, they didn't believe Lot and they didn't believe Noah. All he got was Mrs. Noah in the ark and Shem, Ham, and Japheth and their three wives. Say, boy, Noah wasn't much of a preacher. God calls him a preacher of righteousness. And he preached for 120 years. And nobody got saved, but he got his family in. And if he wouldn't have even got his family in, I said, if he wouldn't have even got his family in, he was still preaching right. Amen. But he got his family in, praise God. Amen. They all got in. I'll tell you what. I don't think that Aaron got his two sons into you. Now, they might have been saved, but I don't think so. Nadab and Abihu, they offered strange fire, and God burned them up with his fire. Mm -hmm. We ought to compare it to them. Here there was preaching going on, and now what? We've got all this preaching of Christ going on all over the whole world, and especially in America, and they still say, Oh! I don't need your Bible. I don't need your God. And then, like that fellow last night, well, you, you, you people, there's some people that need church. I said, yeah, I need church. I said, I'm the preacher, and I need those people at the church, too. Amen? We preachers need the church, amen? Like our brother Lightsey prayed tonight. We need each other. That's true. He's self these self-sustaining and self-existing and, and self-acclaiming Christians. They're, they're extra-biblical. Amen? They shouldn't, that's not right. That's, that's, that's the wrong teaching. We need each other. We need each other. And so, what, Noah was preaching and Lot was preaching. And what were they doing? In the days of Lot, it says they did eat and they drank and they bought and they sold and they planted and they built it. What they were doing, none of that was necessarily altogether wrong. But there are a couple things that they, they did. Look what it says up in verse 27. This is speaking about Noah. And they did eat and they drank and they married wives and were given in marriage until the day. Now here was the big problem. The big problem is they weren't fasting and praying and mourning like Nehemiah was about the wall. And like Ezra was about the temple. They were feasting and they should have been fasting. They were having their parties and they weren't seeking the Lord's will and giving themselves and seeking revival and seeking His moving. They were not like the Ninevites because even those heathens of Nineveh, when they repented, God spared Nineveh at the preaching of Noah. I mean of uh, Jonah. Spared the whole city. I mean, they all just fasted and prayed. Well, that's what we have today, don't we? 
We have the animal house down there. It used to be the animal house. Then it became prime time, and then it's another one. And over there, the zoo and the Oz. And oh, my, that's the jungle over there. Jungle. Oh, I'm in the family of God. I'm a child of God. I go to church. The place you go every Sunday kind of shows what you are. Amen. And who you love and what you love what's first in your life these people going around saying well, well you don't have to go to church I think we have brother Henry and I heard another one the other night well you don't have to go to church be a Christian no Paul just spent all his life starting churches ordered by God Almighty and ordaining elders in every church and he says you don't need a church he's wrong people they're full of words and no no uh, biblical sense, no common sense, no nothing. By the way, they were, they were secure and they were sensu uh, sensuous. There was sensuality and false security before the flood and before Lot, uh, I should say Sodom, was destroyed. By the way, if you check it out over in Isaiah, it even calls Jerusalem Sodom. You check that out. It even calls Jerusalem Sodom. That really shocked me when I first saw that. Calls the blessed city, Jerusalem, Sodom. Well, they've forsook the Savior. But the new Jerusalem's coming down from heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. Amen. I'm in Christ. And all the imps in hell can't change it. I'm secure in Christ. And I really don't like that doctrine of losing your salvation one bit. The most wonderful thing next to being saved is knowing you have him forever. And this salvation is eternal. And you cannot lose it because Christ doesn't lose any that he truly saves. Isn't that wonderful? But you don't have to hang on to God. He's got you in there. You're in his hand. No man shall pluck them out of my, my father's hand. Praise God. Christ, the Holy Ghost in us. Then it says Christ in you, the hope of glory. And we're in the Father's hand. My, aren't we in Christ? Isn't it wonderful to be born again? You know, to, to tell you the truth, uh, whether we know all the incidentals about how the Lord's coming back or not, we're going. That's the wonderful thing. We're, we're, so shall we ever be with the Lord, it says. Amen. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. See, they didn't realize that at this time, these, these Pharisees, they were thinking about this outward kingdom, and they didn't realize that Christ had to go through pain and shame and death. Pain and shame and death. He had to suffer. The Bible even says if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. I just have to throw this out, whether you like it or not. I, there, there was a certain one that died recently, well-known preacher, not Pastor Magnuson. And he said, I want to, when I come back in the millennium, I want to be over this certain city. Now, you maybe get all excited about that, but I've, I, I've just grown up in Christ too much. I don't get excited about all such foolishness as that. That's a bunch of carnal, fleshly talk. It is really a bunch of fleshly, carnal talk. I don't care. 
I just know I'll be with my Lord and whatever he does. He said, if I suffer with him, I'll reign with him. Who cares what city? I don't want to reign over Killeen. You can have the whole thing. Hey, man, I don't care about all that. But that that's a bunch of carnal. That's a, bunch, that's a bunch of baby Christian talk. It ought not to come out of older men of God who've been in the word of God. We don't care about uh, the newspaper. What do I care about running the Killeen Daily Herald when I've got my Jesus? Amen. I think it minimizes the glory of his coming to talk such frivolous talk. Amen. Say amen or say oh me. By the way, the, the whole earth was corrupted and filled with violence in the day of Noah. And that's the way it is in the second coming of Christ. It's going to be what? Filled with violence. Isn't it doing that? You say, yes, but pastor, there's less uh, murder and so forth uh, in the last few years in America. Yes, but go back further. And I know one thing, there's murder in the hearts of people. God sees the heart. And I'm telling the hearts are becoming excessively wicked in our generation. Only the grace of God. And I'll tell you with this new, this internet stuff, you better keep your eyes glued on the sky and the coming of our blessed Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his wonderful death at Calvary and his precious blood shed for you and me and precious souls out here you better get your eyes off of that TV set and off all that uh, Hollywood videos and all that Hollywood theater that was mentioned by uh, brother Roger Magnuson brother Magnuson's brother he said, Pastor Magnus has stood against the theater in Hollywood. No, we're so prone to not be as separated as we used to be. What benefit are these things? I know if, they're not, if there's not a benefit in these things, there is a great detriment in them and they can ruin you and they can hurt your swear, uh, spiritual well-being. I want to go a step further. You better be careful what novels you read. You better be careful what mystery stories you read. If they don't lift you closer to Christ and all they do is talk about things that are non-essentials, that's what you're going to be thinking about after a while is a bunch of non-essentials. Read your Bible. Read some good novel that is the Christian novel like In His Steps. Or read the allegory of John Bunyan, Pilgrim's Progress, or the Holy Wars, or, or something that will be filled with biblical principles. And better yet, write, read the biographies and the autobiographies and the biographies of the men of God in days gone by. And then read Hebrews 11 about the heroes of the faith. Boy, you'll come out of your doldrums and your discouragement, and you'll get on the victory side in short order. When you hear that they gave that the lions tore them to pieces and they gave their bodies to be burned and read Fox's book of martyrs and you'll come out better you'll come out on a better side friend there's so much cheap junky reading and whatever we do whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do do all to the glory of God we ought to even be concerned about what we eat and how we eat how much we eat even what we put into our body amen we should not ever be accused of overeating. Amen. Preach to yourself, Preacher Harvey. Amen, I am right now. 
Amen? Well, if we're not careful, you know, we don't drink alcohol, we don't smoke nasty cigarettes, but if we're not careful, we eat too much. Amen? I almost ate too much tonight. And then Brandon and Patty came by, and I'm glad I didn't overeat, so they had something left to, because their water went off and they had to take a shower at our place. You probably ate at our place, didn't you? Yeah, I think you did. My wife was fixing up. I was in the bedroom praying and reading and snoozing and everything else. Anyhow, trying to get some rest so I'd be fired up tonight. Man, Jesus is coming again. Amen. You may be tired out from the day's work, but I'm just getting ready to go. Amen. I could have gone out and helped you dig up your front yard, Joe, today, and I think I'd still have had some zip in me. I'll tell you what, we need to, but we need to be in the Word of God. That's more important. Be in prayer. That's more important. By the way, in Sodom and in the whole earth before Noah's flood, they were making merry and they were going on just like nothing was going to happen, but something was going to happen, and that something was death and drowning of the whole world. Or burning up those cities. Sodom, Gomorrah, Zeboam, and Adama. Burning them up. But doesn't it say that Noah entered the ark? Amen. Lot got out of the city. Amen. Are we getting out of here? Well, I better finish up what I'm reading here. We better read it all the way down. All right. Even thus shall it be, verse 30, in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be on the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife? They were to run for their life and they weren't to worry about all their junk and their, and their furniture and their jewelry. And I heard even just from my own mother how a woman who became wealthy by marrying a wealthy man and the house was burning and she went back in the house to get her jewels and she burned up in the house. She was burned up because she didn't want to just leave. The others got out and were spared and she, she wanted those jewels and she wanted those things that were of no account compared to her, the, the, the preciousness of life itself. That's what he's saying here. Don't worry about going back. Why? The second coming is coming like lightning. Lightning. You just be ready and be ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming back. Remember Lot's wife. I'll tell you, when you think about remembering Lot's wife, Lot's wife was remembering things or relatives or her niceties and finery and all her things and all her junk and all her jewelry and everything she had in, 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 uh, in Sodom. And she became a pillar of salt. And Jesus even used her as an example and said, Remember, let's why. How many things are lost because people love things. Judas went out and hung himself. Gehazi, we said Sunday, got the leprosy of Naaman. Love for money. Achan. Achan. The whole, the, those people died and what happened? Achan. He took of the gold and the Babylonian garments. And he and all his whole family were put under stones. Because he took the, of the accursed thing in Jericho. That cursed city. 
What about Saul? He kept the spoil, did he not, when he was supposed to kill Agag and all of them, the Amalekites. And Amalek and the Amalekites always speak of the flesh. Amalek came up as they came out of Egypt and he attacked them from behind and that's where the devil will attack you, Christian. He'll sneak up behind you and attack you like the Amalekites. God said, I want Agag and everything. I want all the animals dead. The people have probably corrupted the animals. I didn't know animals sinned. God said, kill it all. I don't want it breathing. Oh, and and what does Saul say? Well, Samuel said, what meaneth the bleeding of the sheep and the lowing of the oxen? Oh, I've kept them for sacrifice unto the Lord, you liar. He was a liar. And even if he, if he was ha- telling a half-truth, what did Samuel say? It's better to obey than to sacrifice. And you're not going to be king anymore because you did not obey the word of the Lord. God sent you on a journey to seek and destroy. Did he not? Like you in the army. Seek and destroy Amalek. And he spared them. And he spared the best. And he did not obey. When God says seek and destroy, you better seek and destroy. By the way, if you young fellows get in the ministry and God says you preach it, whether everybody in the whole church gets mad at you, then you better preach it. And if you're an evangelist going from church to church, you don't worry about whether they're ever going to invite you back again. If God says preach it, you preach it! And you leave the results with God. It might be the pastor that needs to get right with God. So the whole church can be blessed in the days ahead. And if the pastor doesn't get down on his face and get right with God, the whole church will be haywire for years. So you better preach what God puts on your heart to preach. He might send you on a seek and destroy mission. Amen? And you'll think it's going to be destroying everybody, but boy... After they die to self, amen, new life will come back. I want you to know our Savior, except a seed fall in the ground and die, it doesn't bring forth anything. But oh, that dead seed, praise God. They say that their seed that they found in these uh, pyramids and all these things back there, they found these dry seeds that have been for thousands of years in a bottle or something sealed off. And they took those seeds and wondered, and they stuck them in the ground, these dead seeds. And glory be to God, they grew. They look pretty dead, don't they? But there's life in them. Christ had to die so we could be made alive, brought out. Well, our time's almost gone. Verse 33, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. And what? Now this is speaking in, in, at night, okay? Nighttime. One part of the earth is nighttime when the other part of the earth is daytime. What does it show here now? That this, when Jesus comes back, it's going to be worldwide. Okay, look at this. In the night, two in the bed. One should be taken and the other left. Two women should be grinding together. Well, that sounds like it's daytime when the other's nighttime because Christ is coming back like lightning. We don't know the day nor the hour. Look what it says. Two women should be grinding together and one should be taken and the other left. Two men should be in the field and one should be taken and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? They wanted to know when, Lord? Earlier. Now they want to know where, Lord? Here's the disciples. Where, Lord? 
And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. And we even have some of that. Commentators kind of act like they don't know what that's talking about. But I think they do well to look over in Revelation 19 and maybe they'd find the answer. But the truth of the matter is, wherever the dead are and the blood is, there is where the eagles and the vultures will all be there. Jesus is coming back again. Amen? We better get spiritually minded. He's coming back for a pure church. We better shape up. Amen? Aren't you glad he loves his bride? Aren't you glad we're in the body? He's the head and we're the body. Amen? He's the bride. We're the bride. We're the bride. He's the bridegroom coming back for me our job is to what occupy till he comes and go and get someone else said he and get them in the bride too can you imagine that with the gospel this all-powerful gospel we can even get people to be put into the body of christ we can be used of god to go out and reach sinners and bring them into the bride of the lamb of god take it away the sin of the world isn't that wonderful we we can tell them we can warn them we can help some and we can weep with some pray for some give some money to send missionaries help some come and literally God can use us to find sinners like Andrew first findeth his own brother Simon and he brought him to Jesus aren't you glad Andrew obeyed God do you think Andrew was glad of that won't we be glad if we go and reach somebody for Christ if we make an effort if we go with a tear in our eye and a brokenness in our heart and a real love for a person a real burden on our hearts because we prayed and we got our hearts right. We go out soul winning. Boy, God bless that seed. Amen. You'll throw that seed into that heart and it looks so somehow seems dead. But oh boy, all of a sudden, boom. New life. Power in that gospel. Death, burial, and resurrection of our Savior. Lord Jesus, we love thee. Thank thee for thy wonderful word. Oh Lord, even so come Lord Jesus. May we be occupying help me lord not to just preach to others but to myself uh, dear god mortify our members die daily crucified ourselves afresh so that we can be alive in christ and useful to these that are without christ all about us and we can be a blessing in the church and we can be a help to those round about us help us we pray lord